God's help in any trial that we face. I want to show you some things. We're just going to dissect Psalm 121. Primarily, we're going to stay right here this morning. But I want you to look at this. So many of the Psalms were written for pilgrims needing help on their path of life. As we read Psalm 121, we hear the pilgrim's cry as he steps out on a journey. He's crying out to God, I need your help for my journey. The confidence expressed in Psalm 121 is rooted in the author's confidence of the God that he turns to, and this God is the maker of heaven and earth, who can be trusted at every turn in, in life. In spite of any perils we face, we can trust the Lord. Do you believe that? Amen. No matter what the peril is, in spite of the peril, we can trust the Lord. I want to show you the background. Look at Psalm 121 in your Bible. Let's look at this together. Is there anything under the numerals 121? What does your Bible say? A psalm of degrees. This is also called a psalm of ascent. Psalm of degrees or a psalm of ascent. If you look, Psalm 120 through 134 are all going to say the same thing, a psalm of degree or a psalm of ascent. So what were these psalms of ascent or degrees? There are 15 of them in the psalms. We can say this, they are a song for a journey. They're a song for the road. How many of you, you love to hit the road? That's me. I can't wait. I love to be behind the wheel. Just put me on the highway Get me off of the plane. I don't like the plane. I like the road. How many of you are not road people? You're plane people. All right? Get me on that plane. I want to get to where I'm going. My wife and I are very different in this. She wants to be on the plane. I want to be on the road. I don't care how long the trip is. Put me behind the wheel on the road. Whatever it is, this is a psalm for a journey on the road coming from, think about this, in the ancient times, one time a year, every Jew, no matter where they lived in Palestine, made their way to Jerusalem. One time a year, they made their way. Most of them, most of this was on foot. It was by beast of burden. So they're making that journey. All of these psalms of ascent or degrees are psalms, which were also songs, that were sung on that way to Jerusalem as they traveled. So this gives us some understanding. They were eager for the good times in the holy city. They would see friends and, 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 and they would make the feast and they were glad to see each other. I remember, do you remember? I remember, I don't remember how many weeks it was. We were just all live stream. And I remember when we went to the first drive-in service. I was so excited to see you. And I thought about this as staff. We put this together. Uh, we were still, I think this is when they lived sheltered at home. And they were, uh, I mean, and now we were sheltering in place. And we could have the drive-in services. And I remember putting that meeting together. And I made a mistake. I told our staff, you know what? I'm going to be so excited for these people. And they're going to be in their cars tuned to the radio. Uh, let's give them a cup of coffee to drink or a bottle of water. Let's give them some snacks. And so we had ladies that were masked up and, 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 and had gloves on, and they had these carts and rolling around. I thought, 
I don't know why I was so brain dead, I didn't realize that we really shouldn't be doing that. But I realized I just wanted to see you, and I, it was good to see you in your cars. And you know what I'm saying this to you? You made some mistakes too. It wasn't just Pastor, you made some mistakes. You got out of your car and went over to somebody else and gave him a big old hug. And I'm thinking, we're having COVID, cut that out. All right? But we didn't know what to do, and we were so excited to see each other. That was much the atmosphere in Psalm 121. They're headed to Jerusalem. They're on the road. They can't wait to get into the holy city. They can't wait to see these people that they only see one time a year. But watch this. That travel was an upward travel. The travelers were walked up an incline. These psalms are the music of that uphill journey. How many of you... And you're, you're older or you're, you've had life experiences and you think, preacher, life is an uphill travel. It's kind of, did any of you, like my dad did, did he tell you about all the hard times? Boy, in my day, you know, it was uphill. To, we walked to school and it was uphill both ways. I never figured that out. How could it be uphill both ways? They gave us those stories and how hard it was during those days. We didn't have running water. and We didn't have air conditioning. And you just kind of took out your hanky and started to cry. But you think about these psalms. These psalms are the music of the uphill journey. These psalms, I'm going to say this this morning. These psalms are not limited to the ancient times, but are applicable to us today. Though we don't attend those feasts, we're not on a march to Jerusalem. The road that we walk in life has many perils and circumstances on our way to the place that God calls us. So let's look at this. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I know some of you here think the pastor's job is just to pump you up. Brother Kevin, I can promise you this. I, I sensed in your voice when we talk, and I want you to know we love you, and we're going to be praying as you go down and, and be with your mom and your family. I want you to know, Rebecca, that, that as soon as we got the notification of your mom, we prayed and we'll be praying. I want you to know, Brother Patrick, that we've been praying. I want you to know, LaVey, that we're praying for your situation. We have so many burdens in our church, but I'm not trying to pump you up today. I'm not trying to give you some, some false hope. I'm trying instead, and I pray the Holy Spirit will remind us of the God that we serve. And that even though we're on that upward heel journey in life, and we're facing some things we don't want to face, there can be a song in our heart and we, as we're reminded of the God that we shelter in place. I want to show you, first of all, the possibilities of the journey. Is this true? The Bible never lies to us by claiming that life will be easy. Is that true? There's no free pass for Christians. There are no shortcuts. There's not a bypass in the Christian human experience. There is a horrible theology that is taught in Christian churches today. It is not a biblical theology. It's a horrible theology. And it says something like this. If you're going through a trial... There's the absence of God in that trial. It's because God is spanking you and you've done something wrong. God does spank his children. But the very fact that you and I may be going through a trial does not mean that God is absent. Terrible theology. Horrible theology. You say, as we travel that uphill journey, where can I look to shelter? I want to show you, first of all, look at verse 1. 
I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. For years I've studied this verse. And I thought, how can help come from the hills? He's not saying the, hill, the help comes from the hills. As I broke this down this last, and I looked, I'm going to promise you that what I'm about to tell you, I believe is what the psalmist is telling us. I want to show you, first of all, we can look around for help. Verse number one, I, look, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. He prayed, the psalmist here is praying for his journey to the mountains and into Jerusalem. As he enters that journey, he looks at the horizon. He thinks about the miles ahead, and he sees the twists and the turns, the ups and the downs. He realizes that although there's great pleasure in going to the holy city, there may also be great danger. And where can I look? It's an interesting study of mountains in the Bible. I'm going to give you a mountain. Let's see how good you are. You tell me what happened there. Mount Moriah. Isaac was offered there, wasn't he? Take now, Genesis 21, thy son, thine only son Isaac, and offer him on a mount that I will show thee of. Mount Moriah, a test for Abraham. All right, I'll give you another one. You didn't do real good on that one. Let's try this one. All right, Mount Sinai. Brother Travis, you got that. Nailed it. He gets one gold star by his name. The law, Moses, all right, Mount Sinai. Uh, the Ten Commandments is where that happened. How about the Mount of Transfiguration? Remember what happened there? How about this, Mount Carmel? Huh? Who said that? Thank you, Josh. You've answered questions again and again. You get two gold stars, all right? Elijah called the prophets of Baal, remember? Down on, and fire came down from heaven uh, on Mount Carmel. And I would say this, on a one dark Friday night afternoon, a man was hung on a cross on Mount Calvary. And that man, when he said, it is finished, and the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, what happened was your salvation and mine, your payment for sin and mine was complete. Of all mountains in the Bible, none so dear, none so as important as Mount Calvary, where Jesus went to Calvary's cross to die for your sins and mine. A church never did that. No religious leader ever did that. The waters of baptism cannot wash away your sin nor mine. Jesus did that on Calvary's cross. The magic of the mountains invokes the majesty of God in the Bible. Isaiah 55 verse 12 says, For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Many places in the Bible describes the mountains as a place of blessing. They can also be a place of great danger. In the crefts of those mountains, the clefts and, and the caves held wild animals and bloodthirsty bandits. So this man, this psalmist has taken that journey and he's thinking, what will happen? I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to Jerusalem, to the holy city, but those mountains worry me. Am I going to get beyond that mountain, that uphill climb? What about the mountain? I would ask you now, as a nation, we are... We are faced with this mountain of the pandemic of COVID virus. 
We are faced with a mountain. I'm going to say this to you. And we all clap and applaud that our government's going to give us another check. We shouldn't be. Our nation is broke. Long before we printed $3 trillion or $4 trillion, the last one, and we're going to print another $1 trillion at least, maybe $3 trillion again, our nation's broke. Our nation is divided. I think about this, and some of you, and I think about this, and we're going to mobilize the church in a few short weeks to pray and pray for our president and pray for our leaders and pray for the upcoming election because I can tell you our nation is divided. And don't think for a moment that we're just about saving lives. I knew this to be true. The same rioters in Seattle and Portland that burned American flags, burned Bibles this week. It's not just, it's not just saving lives. They don't like the Christian culture. It's a cancel culture that wants to take down the statues and the membranes of people in our nation that, that would point us to God and the God that we serve. Our nation is divided. So as we look at this as God's people, where do we look for help? We can look around. Pagan cultures built shrines in the mountains. I would say about this, as this lesson came together, I thought about many of you, meeting our church this morning, are looking at a mountain in your life, and you sense that danger. Where do I look? I want to encourage you to shelter in God. We shelter by looking around. But I want you to look at this too. We look, we can look within. You might ask yourself, the writer is looking to the mountains for help. I don't believe that's what he's saying. Look back at verse 1. When we read responsibly, we should pause at any mark of punctuation. So let's do that in verse number 1. I will lift mine eyes unto the hills, comma. Then he begins to talk to himself. From whence cometh my help? Are you with me? I might face danger in that mountain. I don't know what's in that mountain. I don't know if I'm going to come through in dark. From whence is going to come my help? He's not saying, I'm looking to the mountains to help me. He's saying, I've got to go through that mountain. And where am I going to find help? Let me prove to you that's a proper, uh, that's a proper reading because go to verse 2. He points out where his help comes from. My help cometh from what? Not the mountain. There's no help in the mountain. My help comes from the Lord. We look around. We look within. The psalmist here, the traveler looks to the hills and he looks inward and he asks himself, where am I going to find help? Here as, a, as American, as a, as, a, as, a, as a pastor, I look at our country and I think, where are we going to find help? And whether it was Brother Travis in men's prayer or Brother Allen, you just prayed a little while ago. One of these men just said, Father, our leaders are not turning to you. We're not looking to you for help. Where should we look for help? Where do we shelter? We shelter in God. What about we not only look around and we look within? I want you to see this verse number two. We look above. My help cometh from the Lord, comma, which made heaven and earth. In this second verse, we find the foundation of this psalm. 
It's just as if this psalmist is looking at those mountains. He dreads going through those mountains, but he's got to to get to Jerusalem. Where am I going to find help? What if I break down? What if I'm? Uh, what if a, a band of of robbers uh, hit me in those mountains? Where am I going to find help now? He doesn't look within and he doesn't look around, but he looks up and he acknowledges this: My help comes from God. If America doesn't turn back to God, there is no help for our nation. No help. I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat or Independent, White House or Supreme Court or House of Representatives state. If we don't look back to God, there is no place, there is no help for America. Preacher, where do we look? We look above. Now the psalmist says, I finally look and I realize the source of all my help, it comes from God. Would you repeat a small statement with me this morning? My help comes from God. Would you say it with me? My help comes from God. Would you say it again? My help comes from God. Shelter in Him. Don't shelter in Fauci. Don't shelter in CDC. They've been wrong. Don't shelter in WHO. These men and people, I believe, are trying to do their best to guide us and to help us. But the truth of the matter is, they themselves are not looking to God for help. Where do we look? We look above. And who is this God we look to, the maker of heaven and earth? Let me ask you this. You ever wonder why the psalmist under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit said, God, the maker of heaven and earth? The idea of being loved and watched over by a loving creator who hung the stars in place in space and set the earth on its course is a powerful encouragement to all of us. He loves us. That same God who hung the moon and the stars in place and the, put the planets in place, that's the God who loves you. That's the God that says, shelter in me. Don't shelter in a political party. Don't shelter in the White House. Don't shelter in the halls of Congress. Shelter in me. And our sheltering should be found in God. If he guides the planets, will he not also guide me? Look at this thought in other places in Scripture. I'm turning my Bible. These are on the screen, I believe, but he will be. In Psalm 115, verse 15. Ye are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. Look at and verse uh, Psalm 134. Look at that if you would please. Psalm 134 and verse number 3. The Lord that hath made he heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. One last one, Psalm 146. Look at verse number 5 and 6. Psalm 146 and verse number 5 and, and 6. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in, which keepeth truth forever. So where are we going to look, Americans? Where are we going to look, child of God? Where are we going to shelter? Shelter in God. Yes, look, in, look within, look around. But ultimately that look must come and we must look up. We look at this, the power of this statement is wrapped up in the idea that since God is the creator of all things and since all things are His handiwork, His power is not to be questioned. Is COVID bigger than God? Did it surprise Him? He already knows the numbers. He already knows our tomorrows. 
I believe this with all of my heart. Too many Christians see God as a cosmic watchmaker. He put it all together one time, Genesis 1-1, John 1-1. He put it all together, the heavens and the earth and everything we see, and then he put it over there on the shelf. Eventually, it's going to wind down. Eventually, it's going to stop. Too many Christians had see God as a cosmic watchmaker who has created the world and then abandoned it to his, their own devices to tick away until the moment it runs out of time. This is not the God of the Bible. Colossians 1 and Colossians 3 tells us this, that God has actually, look at that, Brother Josh, if that's up there, you think about this, what does God tell us for by Him are all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him, read this together, and for Him, but watch it, don't go there, go back, Brother Josh, if you would, a mark of punctuation, there's a continuing thought, isn't there? Why did he create all things? Look at the next verse. They were created by him, and he is before all things, and by him all things, what? What's holding the atoms together in our universe? What's holding the molecules together? If our Savior God took his hands off of this world, it would explode. But aren't you glad the one who loves you, the one who's calling us to shelter in, He's got his hand on this universe, and he's got his hand on your life, and he's got his hand on my life. That's not fairy tale. That's not the cow jumping over the moon. That's not Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. That's the assurance of the eternal word of God. He's got your tomorrows. Why are we living in fear? Why do we cower like we're helpless and hopeless before a pandemic that our God has got complete control over? I'm not asking you to don't take the precautions. We are doing that. We want you to do that. But ultimately, it is still all in God's hand. I want to show you the promise of help on our journey. Look at verse number 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. We notice something slightly odd when we come into the third verse of this psalm. He changes the person from first person of I to the second person of thee. So who's he talking to? To you. To me. To us. Now look at again what he says. He will not suffer whose foot? You say, preacher, I understand. God, God loved David. He was a psalmist of Israel, a man after God's own heart. I understand why God would protect him. But I'm just a mechanic. I'm a truck driver. I'm a receptionist. He loves you. And he's got everything in your life and mine. The creator God has his hand over every moment of our life. I believe that we have an internal dialogue here in the heart of the psalmist. As he travels, he formulates his questions. The thee here refers to himself as well as ourself. Who will help me? Who is going to help us? In the process of these eight small verses, he answers the question for himself as well as for us today. When our heart cries out to God, here's some things you need to remember. I want you to go home with these today. All right? You ready for this? You can write it down, or if you've got a good memory, uh, you can remember this. Number one, the Lord perceives you. He perceives you. Matthew 11, verse 20. He thinks on you. 
Doesn't he? Matthew 11, verse 30. Uh, if we can, Brother Josh, Matthew 11, verse number 30, you think about this. He perceives you. What does that mean when we say that the very hairs of your head are all numbered? How many of you do what I do? You take a shower and you look down there at the drain. You think, uh-oh, Lord, do you get those? <laughs> Brother Mike, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Brother Skip, who else? Brother Andrew, you're safe. Huh? If he numbers the hairs of your head... He perceives you. In the early days, I've told you about this. Josh's accident when he's hanging between life and death. And I didn't see my prayers are getting answered. And I was full of fear. Found a place where just the Lord and I could meet at Antelope Valley Hospital. And that morning, I was all alone. I was praying and God wasn't answering. I didn't know what God was going to do. We're about to lose our son. God, what are you doing? I remember getting a cup of coffee, sitting down on that table, and there was a glass partition on the outside wall. There was plate glass. And outside, one sparrow came and just made his way on that little table. And God said, I, no sparrow falls to the ground unless I know it. I got your son. Amen. I got him. I left that, that little meeting room. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought, you know what? God and I together, we can handle what comes tomorrow, and you can too. The Lord perceives us. Aren't you glad there's a God who knows you? Isn't it unbelievable? The God who made heaven and earth knows you by name. He knows the hairs of your head. Number two. The Lord protects you. Look at verse number 5 and 6. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The Lord shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Now we come to another promise. As the traveler looks on this journey, he feels the assurance that God is keeping a watch over him by night and shading him by day and by night. That word shade is important. God shades us. He comforts us when those problems and those trials come. Sunstroke in this part of Palestine was a very serious issue. But the Bible says it talks about his right hand. I don't have time to look at all this this morning. What is God's right hand a type of? Strength. Power. And he says to you and me as we travel this life... If we look to God and we shelter in God, He perceives you. But not only that, He protects you. And He's got you in His right hand. Isn't that good? Psalm 98, verse 1, the right hand in Scripture is the place of power of God. Psalm 98, 1, oh, singing of the Lord a new song for thee hath done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm hath gotten Him the victory. He gives shade in His right hand. He protects you around the clock. When the day is over, he will protect you by night. People believe that moonlight brought out dangers. They did in this time. There was some suspicion about that. But you could be smitten by the sun as well as the moon. Matter of fact, go with me. Think about this. We say somebody who's crazy is a lunatic. What does that mean? Lunatic, you're crazy. Crazy means, craziness means lunacy, of which the root word is what? 
Luna, which means moon. So there's something deeper here. Both of these words come from the word Luna or moon. In any case, people suffer from the fears of the night, all right? How many of you still have a nightlight? Brother Damien, good for you. You're not going to get it in college, all right? Right? You, we, we think about it. How many of our kids, we got them a nightlight? Huh? Because they were afraid of the fears at night. You think of for all of us who have struggled or struck by fear, the message is clear. God is great. He made heaven and earth. He will provide safety for you in the heat of the day and in the terrors of the night. He will never leave your side. Number four, quickly, the Lord preserves you. Verse seven and eight, the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time and even forevermore. The Lord preserves us from evil. The Lord preserves us, our existence. That word soul there means our life. In other words, God is going to keep your life. It doesn't end when you breathe your last breath. Say it with me. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He never leaves you. He promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you except on the hospital bed, right? Wrong. He's going to watch us. He's going to preserve us. He's going to protect us. And you think about this. He preserves our existence both in this life and the life to come. You're an eternal being and he is the keeper of your existence, guarding your soul through eternity as well as life today. And the Lord preserves us every day. The Lord preserves us internally from this time and forevermore. We must remember that our life now and for all of eternity is in the hands of God who cares for us. Lastly, as we close, I want to show you this. He's the keeper of our life. I want to show you something. I, I, I stumped some of the early people that are here. Brother Josh, can you put that screen up there? Who can tell me on lots? I don't know. What is that? Anybody know? It's Jewish. I want you to say it with me. It's a mezuzah. All right, say it with me. It's a mezuzah. The pious Jew, when you went into his house, they would have one on each side of the door coming and going. What was the importance of the mezuzah? Most of them, you can't see it on this one, most of them were hollowed where a parchment of paper were put in there. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 was inside that. And they would literally pull it out and read the promises of God. Then they'd put it back in. When they came home at night, they'd put their hand on the mezuzah, they'd pull it back out, and they'd read the promises, and they would put it back in. As he leaves his home to travel to work, he touches this little metal figure and repeats aloud a few, still today the Jews do this, repeats a few words, asking God to preserve him as he goes out and comes in. His final words before he takes his hands off the mezuzah is this, the Lord keep you both now and forever. I'm not telling you to go get a mezuzah and hang it over your door. We're not Jewish. 
But I'm telling you that just like that friendly reminder over the door of the Jew, when he goes out, when he comes in, and he says this, the Lord keep you and protect you now and forevermore. May we as a church and a people understand we have the promises of the Word of God. Whatever mountain we're going to face, whatever epidemic or pandemic is in front of us, there is a God that will shield us and protect us. I want to read this for you. I want you to take your Bible and turn to, Saul, to Romans 8 as we close. Eugene Patterson is a man I love to study with. This is fairly lengthy, but let me give this to you. He describes this Christian life. He says this, the Christian life is not a quiet escape to a garden where we can walk and talk interruptedly with our Lord nor a fantasy trip to a heavenly city where we can compare blue ribbons and gold medals with others who have made it to the winner's circle. The Christian life is going to God. In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on. They breathe the same air. They drink the same water. They shop the same stores, hopefully not Ross, and read the same newspapers. They are all citizens under the same government. They pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline. They fear the same dangers and are subject to the same pressures. They get the same distresses and are buried in the same ground. The difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God. We know we are accompanied by God. We know we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will preserve us from evil. He will keep our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Shelter in God. Romans 8, Apostle Paul tells us this, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, now watch this, nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is Christ your Savior? Then run to Him. He's that strong tower. You shelter him. Some of you here, I understand that. You're facing some mountains, a health crisis, a financial crisis, a marital crisis, a relationship crisis. And you say, Lord, how am I going to get through that mountain? It scares you. From whence cometh your help? Where does it come from? From the Lord.